Hi guys. Welcome to a bonus episode of Melanie's Faith. Today, it's me, Catherine, and I have some special guests with me, some friends of mine, Robert Monson from the Three Black Men podcast, and Sharifa Stevens, who you guys already know from the Still I Rise episodes earlier in the season. Today, we are going to be talking about the messages in the Disney Plus series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If you haven't watched the series, this is your time to stop the episode and either go back and watch or if you want to just join us and listen to three friends nerd out about the Marvel Universe that we love, even when we don't love individual components, I do hope that you will stick around because I think this show um, has a lot to say to us, even those who don't love Marvel movies, around issues of systemic injustice, what justice actually looks like. When something has been done wrong, what does it look like to actually make that right? And I think in a country right now where race and racism is kind of at the forefront of the conversation, um, I think this series helps us launch some important conversations about what that looks like. And Robert and Sharifa and I are gonna talk about that today. We're also gonna talk about the complicated relationship Black Americans have with our country and what it means to actually celebrate Black culture and characters. So. Decide one way or the other. I hope that you will stick around. <laughs> so for those who don't know, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a series on Disney Plus, as I already stated. The series picks up after the events of Avengers Endgame. And I'm just going to spoil it for you guys because the movie has been out literally for like two years. And I'm so sorry, but it has to be done. Um, if you haven't seen Endgame, I don't know how you would watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, and understand what's going on. So maybe also pause if you haven't seen Endgame, watch that, and then maybe get into the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Either way, I'm going to spoil it for you guys. So at the end of Avengers Endgame, Steve Rogers, who has been Captain America for, you know, forever, since he first became Captain America in the 1940s, um, in, in, as part of sort of a World War II experiment, um, Steve Rogers decides he wants to hand over the Captain America shield. He wants to retire, to go live a normal life, to be in love, raise grandkids, yada, yada, yada. So he decides to hand the shield over to his friend, Sam Wilson, who is also at the Falcon. So the series on Disney Plus is about sort of how do these two best friends, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, and Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, deal with the loss of their friend, like their grief, and then what does it look like for them to like move on from having him be a part of their sort of Avenger tales and career. And it's also about who should be the next Captain America. I think Sam has some reservations as a black man in America? And does he really want to be Captain America? And then I think also to the larger question of like, what would it mean for a black man to essentially take on the role of America's most important mascot? All of these questions are swirling while Sam and Bucky also have to face a group called the Flag Smashers, which are led by a young mixed race woman named Carly Morgenthau. And the Flag Smashers are this group that have been characterized as anti-patriotic because they believe that the world leaders have essentially abandoned a group of refugees that were created by the events of um, Avengers Infinity War, where essentially half of the population disappears for five years and reappears five years later, which you can imagine creates chaos. So the Flag Smashers have a lot of issues with how world leaders have handled that kind of reappearance. And then what does that mean for the people who were here the whole time um, and their access to things like healthcare and stable housing and food and those kinds of things. So 
There are a lot of complicated issues swirling in this series, and so I'm excited to talk about it with my friends. Guys, let's get into it. So about Falcon and Winter Soldier, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, I'm going to watch it because I am a Marvel stan. First of all, so I'm coming into this experience expecting a lot. I'm coming to it as a loyal fan of the MCU. So I just want to disclaim, disclaim, disclaim. Top line observation. Well, wow. I love the fact that Marvel wants to delve into backstories because I think that there, especially in the last three movies, there was an enormous amount of trauma, an enormous amount of trauma that just couldn't be addressed um, in the movies themselves. And so I think it's very clever for Disney and for the MCU to, to delve deeper into backstories. Um, so that's great. I came away thinking that there was mass confusion in the writing room. Um, I, I had not really seen a cohesive story arc. Um, <laughs> okay, so. Mass confusion is kind. Okay, thank you. So my my impression, especially after watching how intricately woven each episode of WandaVision was and how much thought and time was put into it and how many wonderful Easter eggs there were in that. Okay, so I thought that they were really kind to the fans in that, even, even though they made choices that obviously I don't, I'm not a fan of. Um, with regard to Wanda and her story arc, I still knew that they were um, dignifying the fans with what they gave them. This one felt slipshod, um, pasted together. And I have heard that there was a story arc they had to truncate um, because of the pandemic. I had heard that. And I think there's nothing wrong with delaying a production until you get the results that you want. Um, I don't understand the, was it the hand? Woo, it's been a minute. Oh. So I don't understand what they are, uh, yeah. what they are about. I don't really appreciate the way Black women were uh, used as props to be glorified maids who cleaned up for the mistakes of uh, <laughs> other characters or uh, who were, you know, sassy siblings. I don't appreciate how bumbling the Dora Milaje were in, um, <laughs> in not knowing that Zemo. Anyway, so like, I feel like they were not true to the characters that they displayed in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But what I most have trouble with is the juxtaposition of Isaiah and Sam. Don't appreciate it. I thought it Isaiah could have been a character with depth, nuance, that would be educational as well as dramatic, that there would be a chance for redemption and a chance to have a sober look at the, the image of Captain America, what he knew, what he did not speak on um, as far as experimentation and, and bigotry, racism, and um, its effects on the uh, whitewashing of being a super soldier or a superhero, but they didn't do that. Instead, they were like, mm, Isaiah, bitter, Sam, optimistic. So 
It was very clunky. That's some. Yes, conversation conversation over. No, I mean, I, yeah, that was, I mean, that's pretty much. But I also think to your point of like, if you're going to tell the story of a Black man becoming Captain America, it deserves, given the history of race in this country, it deserved a level of care that was not present. And I think that, I don't think it's that the writer's rooms was at cross purposes. I think that they were, it was the composition of the writer's room. Mm-hmm. And I think what you mean when you say that? What you mean when you say that? Uh, I think that I'm not quite confident that, I think we've talked about this. I, I don't know. I didn't look it up, but I don't need to look it up to know that I don't think that there were Black women represented in that writing room. I don't think that, you know, if there were people of color present, I would assume that there were more white people. I think just even the simplistic, like, I've never in my life, I don't know a Black man that would approach an older Black man and say, don't give me, what did he say? Something like, don't give me that bitter Black man nonsense. And if he did say it, he would still have to that? If he said that, if if that far-fetched scenario happened, that the young man would still have his teeth. Because a Black man that has been to Vietnam that I know, don't they don't play like that. They don't play, they don't play those games. No. And it just felt very... Uh, it was fake. It I, I rang like false. It, it, it was rang very fake false. that the ending with Isaiah being like, oh, yes, I'm in a museum. I'm okay now that I was tortured, that I lost the love of my life, that I have lived a life in uh, poverty yeah. and abusive, but it's okay because I'm in the Smithsonian. I think Isaiah, Isaiah and Carly to me were the most interesting characters. Yes. And how they did them in the end just solidified. I don't fool with these people. Mm-mm. <laughs> like, Mm-mm. I don't. Anthony Mackie, yeah, I was already iffy on him. And I mean, even just. The fact that he was like, the, it wasn't the first episode that he told the sister, yeah, we can get a loan. Yes. You have nothing. Your your, your fears of being discriminated against are totally unrealistic. He made her feel so stupid and like small. And it's just like, again. And he lives in Louisiana. <laughs> How can a black a 40-year-old black man from southern Louisiana. How? <laughs> I mean, they should have talked to Beyonce's father, not to bring her into this, but Matthew knows. <laughs> but <just> always. <laughs> She's always welcome. <laughs> Matthew knows. I, I just... I was very confused mm-hmm. by the fact that he was from Louisiana and he seemed very naive about race and racism. I don't, I don't know. Robert, Indeed. You you've sat so quietly and patiently. No. <laughs> well, the original question was thoughts, Your top po- line. Po- positive thoughts coming into it. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh, positive thoughts? I'm no. Yeah. You could just whatever. <laughs> no. I, Say what you want. No. I no, Sharifa, you're fine. I my admittedly coming into this uh 
show my thought my my expectations were low so i am different from <laughs> sharifa um i i had i had many a thought about wandavision uh, uh, um and so coming into this show uh to be very honest falcon is a character that i cared about the least in the marvel universe and I think they set it up to be that way. And then I think to try to expect us to care about this peripheral character, I think that they did not do their homework to make that. And even in the promotion, I remember the trailers coming out um, on social media. Don't you guys want to know the back history to Sam Wilson? No, <laughs> not at all. Um, and those comments <laughs> hurt. Um, those comments were. <laughs> um, so, so coming in, my expectations were low because this is a peripheral character who literally is never like the go-to person in any of the movies. Um, they did a better job of making us care more about Groot, the tree, in the Marvel universe. <laughs> Am I lying? Am I lying? <laughs> the tree died and came back to life. And, and our foolish tales were really like, Groot, I love you. Look yeah. at him sacrificing himself. So said, no, we are Groot. Yeah, we are Groot. Our, our foolish selves really mm, Groot. Uh, so, so really, literally everyone in the whole Marvel universe had our loyalty before this black man. So, so setting that context, then trying to tell a story of black um, pain. I was like, Oh, that's a lot to ride on this character, uh, this peripheral character. So um, what I will say as positive is them trying to flush out uh, nuances and storylines related to uh before during and after the blip i think that is that line of thinking is very interesting because so the realest part of the show was his black sister that actually Sarah. was the realest part that was actually the only real part of the whole show <laughs> that was it <laughs> yeah i mean the the most authentic part i mean of and that was ish um, <laughs> No, yeah, because right, uh, eventually she's the one who said, you know, you should go on and be Captain America. Even even that went in another. I was like, who's saying this? This lady from from where you started to get to that. I, what sis? what happened? Has, we have a larger problem. We've had an invasion of body snatchers because that can I ask. No- can I ask this? I'm, I'm not hosting this, but I, Am I? I ask, it's a collective. It's a collective. Um so we talk about the, the the black narrative that wasn't authentic, and that's kind of where we all got lost pretty quickly <laughs> in the show. We Let ain't me, lost. The show got lost. Yeah, the show got lost. Can we unpack that a little bit more? Because I think some people would say, some people have said, hey, this is a win. They told black storylines, like, why aren't you guys happy with that? And there's a black Captain America this seems pretty authentic. So unpack what's not realistic. Like you guys have alluded to some of it. Um, Sharifa, you 
you said a lot of stuff, but like, I'm like, let's unpack what is it realistic about this for you? Catherine. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that this goes to the thing of like, Oh, because they have black characters, like there should be support. I honestly, one of my like immediate feelings is that Marvel saw the response to black Panther and was like, we need to, and, and not just response in terms of like our emotional feeling, like how we responded with our dollars. And we're like, let's do this cash grab. Like there's money to be made in this without really doing the depths of understanding like why people responded the way that they did to Black Panther and like the level of authenticity and care taken in telling that story. Um, and I think to me, what felt inauthentic, I mean, you know, we've kind of already touched on this. I mean, I just, a 40 plus year old black man from Louisiana walking into a bank, like telling his sister, you're ridiculous to think like, we can't get a loan because we've lived here our whole life. We've built this community. I'm a superhero. Of course we can get a loan. And it's just like, you know, it's like, again, this is why I'm like, people don't want to know history. And I'm like, going to blank on the year, but like, I want to say like 30 black soldiers were killed in Houston, like literally months after World War One ended, right? <laughs> like, these people don't care. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> Where Stars and Stripes, I mean, they don't care. They do not care. And it just, I just, I mean, just thinking of the fact of the great migration that half of like black population in Louisiana and all over the South relocated to California, you know, North Chicago, because white racial terror was so virulent in the South. I just, that does not feel authentic to me. And even if that's not his personal experience, where were his parents? Was he a doc? I I, I don't know. That did not, that did not add up to me. I think the quickness from which Isaiah went from righteous anger and early on in the series to where he ended up of like, yes, I'm happy that I have this exhibit in a museum. Not to get into comparisons, but I think about like the five bloods, right? And Delroy Lindo's character, whose name is escaping me, like the level of bitterness and anger he held towards the country for years after, you know, all the horrors of, you know, serving in Vietnam to then turn around and have another character go from have that same sort of, and in some ways a worse experience to like, yes, I'm happy with an exhibit in a museum. I mean, I lost the love of my life. Like I just, to move that quickly to like forgiveness, it, you know what? I will say this. It felt like a white liberals fever dream of how black people should respond. Period. When we're giving like an inch, right? Like, well, why are you mad? Now you have this place in the museum. Like who, you know, like we, you're right. What we did to you was wrong. We're wrong. But like, you should not, like, you should not be bad. And that then that they would hear like, you're right. I shouldn't be mad. Okay. I agree with you. I'm, I'm going to let this go. Like to me that, so then that, that character and his story arc is based on white people's feelings and not like what is true to the black experience. But didn't he get a hug too? <laughs> I'm being, I, I'm trying to help you, Catherine. I want you to be I mean, truthful. Got, I want you to, I want you to tell know, the whole truth, he, Catherine. Yeah, I know, he got that hug. Oh, yes. A hug brings back the love of my life. A hug makes up for the years of like incarceration and income. The fact that I'm like living in this sort of 
divested neighborhood. And honestly, I had to pretend to be dead in order to live. Period. He had to pretend. Beyond just like the whole issue with like Sam and his whatever, like I, I just to go from the level of anger, righteous anger, rightful anger to just like, well, I'm just going to let this go because I'm in a museum. Like, girl, where, who, what, when, mm-hmm. why? I it wouldn't be me. Okay. Yes. Thank you for the, uh, not even thank you for this. Where's my money? That period. Okay, that's what. Can we, okay. can we talk about that? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Go ahead, Robert. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Because I remember tweeting out because everybody after that episode came out, everyone was like, "Oh, the fairy tale ending." And so I realized that I always seem like a Debbie Downer because I'm like iconoclastic. So I just usually am mum after they after everyone enjoys something. I don't say anything. I'm like. Your thoughts are welcome here. Yeah, so I just message y'all. I'm like, <laughs> y'all, this ending is so ratchet because that ending, I remember tweeting out, if I am tortured for 30 years, <laughs> I lose the love of my life after serving my country and I have to live I have, to, I have to appear to be dead, all this stuff, and I'm broke, and you give me a statue in a museum, I'm coming back and I'm haunting you till the end yes. of time. Because, yeah. y'all, yeah. so to your point, Catherine, that it was a white liberals, like, heaven. Y'all, reparations cost. Mm-hmm. It literally cost. So if we go hunker down here reparations means you repair the breach. And I feel like that there's a conflation. I mean, just adding like the layer of like religiosity to it. There's a conflation with forgiveness and justice and reparations. And I just feel like this idea, I mean, I don't even think that's a religious thing. I really just think white people can't handle the guilt. They don't know what to do. They, they, they want to hug to them. If we hug in Kumbaya and you're in a museum, but it just is like, but I still can't get along. I, I, so, yes. I still can't get along. So, I still live. I still have. Yeah, I can't get alone. I live in this neighborhood. My now it's like generational trauma because I'm assuming that young man was his grandson. Like right. somehow. How? I don't know. Hmm. How? And honestly, <laughs> and honestly, and honestly, based on how Isaiah was treated, uh, treated, don't put me in your museum. Don't use me as your mascot. Lose my number. Keep my name out of your mouth. Actually, yes, pay for me to be sent to Wakanda and live like a king. Because I can actually I? am done with you in this country. Like, keep, run me my money. What you can do for me is run me my money and keep your mouth closed. Like, <laughs> period. <laughs> like, I, I mean, don't. That makes so much sense. I I don't. I'm not. I I don't want to be a mascot. I, I, you've tortured me. And that, mm-mm, mm-mm. and he actually says something to that effect about I would no self-respecting black man would be Captain America. So how do you go from don't be a mascot to I am so happy with anyway? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But this also and it's a bookend of like it's a 
it's a bookend of scarcity to me. Like it's scarcity at the beginning. It's desperation. It's um, economic uh, insecurity at the beginning. And at the end, by the end of the series, um, you have Sam having platitudes, speeches to the senator, and then the Smithsonian. And there's still no running my money. There's still none of that. There's like, there's, there's like, oh, you know, that girl Carly, you know, she was on to something. But, but the thing is, they need reparations too. Like these people need repair. That's what she was fighting for. I think I said this to you guys in like one of our like DM conversations. Maybe you could get away with telling the story in this way in 2007. Oh, yeah. 2006, you know, when we were all like on our Obama high and like, oh, yes. But in 2021, after a whole insurrection, after fresh from an insurrection. Yeah, I fresh. I, the black his naivete does not ring true in 2021. Yeah, I, I, I think what I would say is for me, like where it doesn't ring true for me, I mean, so much of it doesn't and so much you guys have already said and i'm curious even what sharif is gonna say now is like you know everything from the minor details from you know my tt oh my tt oh your tt my tt uh uh that whole scene was the most grandiose <laughs> um, cinematic piece of art that i have ever consumed and uh <laughs> my tt and all of my tts throughout life uh were scarred by hearing that um and hearing the word tt passed around uh was a lot but uh <laughs> oof, uh that was just so like uh, hearing a, a grown man just say a grown black man say tt and being that uncomfortable i was like who wrote this i it's just like a language foreign to his mouth yeah i was, like, was like we it just, I think for me, it just, it, it felt like if we are going to do these black characters like this, I, you guys have alluded to this. I don't want to do them rushed because the feelings that I felt in black Panther from the costumes to the care in the detail in every mannerism to the care in the language um, to where people were placed, to even where they were at the waterfall scene. If you notice, um, there were times where women spoke before men and that was intentional. That wasn't like accidental. And I'm like, look at them right now showing equality. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I was just like, everything about this was like crafted. And I'm, and y'all give us this as authentic blackness no there's not I, i'm not finding footholds to where does this ring true like what black man acts like like where like he's so ignorant of everything at each point i, I was trying i was like okay now's okay so even at the very end to you guys's point he, this is a man who's been done wrong and so he's been broke this whole time, right? So you would think at the very end, he would be like, hey, we got a financial package for you. 
No, I know what you need, a statue. So out of all these things you've been suffering this whole time, you didn't learn one thing this whole thing. Sir, you're black. <laughs> I just like you're black and you've been obscured this whole time. And you didn't want learn one lesson this whole time. And you carried a black dead girl and you didn't learn anything from her, her death. And another black guy died and you didn't learn anything from Lamar's death, which God rest his, which God rest his ever loving soul. Um, and you didn't learn anything from that dude's death either. And here you are like, I know what you need, a statue mm. and a speech to America, sir. Wow. So I just, you're, I don't question people's blackness, but I question the story that wrote this. And I know no black woman was in the room. I just know it. No, zero. It, it couldn't. It couldn't. But zero. go ahead, Sharifa. Or no, go ahead, no, go ahead, Sharifa. Oh, no, I feel like I feel like you. I mean, I don't know. There's just what makes this an inauthentic experience. I feel like you both have covered such the gamut. I, I guess I will talk a little bit about Lamar since we haven't mentioned that as uh, yet another branch on the fibrous tree of inauthentic Blackness as represented. So like Lamar, it's such a trope. I, I expect meatier, more nuanced uh, depictions of Black life, Black people. And Lamar was a sidekick and he was somewhat magical in his negrishness. And so um, he existed to pump up the value and ego of, at best, a broken and traumatized man who struggled with feelings of adequacy. At best, um, he was that guy's sidekick. So, um, and uh, his his death was the vehicle for the unleashing of John Walker's violence. His death was the excuse. Um, and his life was uh, an endorsement of taking serum to become a super killer. That don't sound right to me. It don't sound right to me. Who was in that um, writer's room like, I got it. I know. <laughs> it's going to be Lamar. Also, too, I mean, related to John Walker, I mean, the fact that his wife was Black, we haven't touched Thank that. that. That was interesting. <laughs> interesting is a good word. I really, I really am struck by the ways in which it felt like, yeah, I think this, you said this already, that Black women were just kind of like thrown in without like a level of, I, I don't know, that just was like a like weird. Like so thing. much seasoning. Like, it was just a weird we choice. need a little Black pepper. And, yeah. the reason, and, and so I, you know, so people listening to this may feel a way, um, whether you watched it and you're like, oh man. I didn't see all this. I love this show. Should I have loved this show? They don't love this show. I, so what I would like to add is I would really love to get past the binary of talking about shows in do we love it or do we hate it? Um, because 
Well, I will say for me, I don't engage media in that way. uh, Personally, Uh, I don't engage life that way. uh, Personally, like I, for example, a show that I loved was WandaVision, a show that I critique with (laughs) and I hold the feet to the fire is WandaVision. When I tell you them toes be on the fireplace is WandaVision. And people mm-hmm. are like, man, you are so hard on WandaVision. I'm like, I know. I critique it because I love it. Mm-hmm. It's what we do with the gospel, right? It's yes. what we do with fellow fellow Christians. It's how we do theology. It's how we, it, I mean, we hold, hold space and tension. No, I was going to say, I think that's right. And, you know, Robert, I'll say you're the first person that was like, Wanda's the villain. And I was like, no. And then by the end, I was like, oh, Robert was right. This was <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, Oh, she is. <laughs> it became real obvious. I was like, you know? oh, yeah, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, but I think to your point, okay, I will say, I'm, um, I do agree with you that you can engage beyond sort of the binary I like uh, kind of thing. And, and I think with all these things, uh, you know, I've said before is like, these things are subtly shaping us and the way in which we view the world. Something you said earlier, Sharifa, to me, there was a lack of imagination mm-hmm. in the writing room. And I think even for us, I'm like, what do we take away from this? It's like, if we are trying to, you know, make any progress or have any sort of real conversation or real justice around, um, racism in this country, if we're trying to destroy white supremacy, like we need a, a new imagination. And so for a show to say the best that black people can hope for is a statue in the Smithsonian and y'all should be happy about, and a hug. I forgot the hug. I always forget the hug. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm here to keep you honest. I'm not going to let you forget that hug. So the, but go ahead. Stat, you know, the fact, you know, to say that that's the best that we can hope for it's just, and to like lift that up as something worthy of applause, I just think is, 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 you know, problematic is, and so I just like for a better vision of like, what would it look like to like have a real conversation about, yeah, the torture that Isaiah endured, the, the, the often complex and complicated feelings Black Americans feel towards this country in a really authentic way. Cause I do think that's an interesting story. Yeah, I just think these things are forming us. Like, how can you, how can we have a real conversation if we're being told, like, have a statue and a hug? I'm just, I do, I I will say I'm glad that Marvel is telling more complicated superhero stories, I think. Yes, just not this one, but yes. Just not this one. Just not this one. Amen. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation. Robert and Sharifa are some of my favorite people. They're so wise. They make me laugh so hard. Um, And, you know, as I said before, I think that these kinds of pop culture things, we think they're very minimal, but they are actually forming our moral imagination. And I think for Christians or for anyone that is asking questions about, like, what does justice look like? Like, what does it actually do or mean to repair harm? I do think these shows, I do think books, I think poetry, I think all of these things can help us imagine the future that we want. And so I think it's very important to be critical, um, to analyze what
what we're being told, positively or negatively. And so I hope that this conversation was useful, that you enjoyed it, that you laughed some with us. Um, I do think that you should follow Sharifa and Robert, and we will post links to their social media accounts in the show notes. So make sure you subscribe to Robert's podcast, follow him on Twitter, Sharifa, sign up um, on her blog and all those things because they're awesome and I want you to follow them. So this season three was so much fun to record, you guys. Um, you know, I know this is, has been a challenging year for everyone, um, but we're so thankful to all of our guests who gave us their time. We're so thankful to you guys, our listeners, for giving us your ears, for telling your friends about us, for posting about us on social media. We don't take anything for granted. And it's we are so appreciative of you guys. Um, we are going to take a, an extended break. We'll be back later in the summer with season four. In the meantime, I hope that you will consider joining our Patreon community. We do plan to do some special summer things for our patrons. So we also want to thank Megan for being the latest person to join our online Melanated Faith community. Thank you so much, Megan, um, for supporting the podcast and the work that we do. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's the number one way you can help your friends find the podcast. Um, I hope that you will have an awesome summer. Um, don't rush back into the before times of being overscheduled and overworked. Enjoy time with your friends and family outside. Go to the movies in a movie theater. Go see In the Heights. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful summer break and we'll see you guys in a few weeks. <laughs>